And all of you that did stay at home, welcome as well. If you would, as I say, grab a Bible, have it open to Isaiah chapter 12. If you've got a blue pew Bible, as Kenny said, it's 684. If you would stand with me, if you are able, as we show respect for God's Word as it's read. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel." May God bless and add his understanding to the reading of his holy word. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated and let us pray together. Heavenly Father, would you open your word to us today? May we have the insight to understand what you mean, what you are teaching us, and how we can apply it to our lives. And most of all, may we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, welcome again to Jacksonville Presbyterian Church on what I still refer to as Boxing Day. And unlike somebody who said before the service, that's a UFC fight outside afterwards. It's actually a tradition about boxing up gifts for people, uh, servants and those in, those in need and that kind of thing. But the tradition in my house growing up was you kept one present for you to, to receive and at least one present to give to someone else. And very often, it was the greatest gift you got that year. What's the greatest gift you've ever received? Have a, that, have a think about that for a moment. And yes, the correct answer, the Sunday school answer is Jesus, but I want you to just put that to a side for just a second and think about the greatest gift you were ever given, whether it be a Christmas present or a birthday present or a random present. For me, the one that came to my mind, I've been given so many great gifts over the years, um, mainly relationships and friendships and all those kind of things that you would say, but also I still remember the joint birthday and Christmas present, because that's how it worked in my house, um, even though they're a long way away, apart from one another, that was just how I grew up, was a snooker table. And before you think, wow, as a kid, Richard got a 12 by 6 foot snooker. No, we're talking a tabletop table. And I still remember the, the legs of the table with the pockets that the balls dropped down into. And that still remains with me today. And I also know the sacrifice that my parents made in order to buy that gift for me. So, that gift that you have in your mind, how does it hold up against Jesus? Hopefully it fades into insignificance because the greatest gift is Jesus Christ, our Savior, who we've been celebrating and remembering, especially as his birth over the last few days. And I want us to unwrap that gift just a little bit more this morning for a few minutes and thoughts of what's next? When you've received the gift, what is next? Hence the sermon title today. 
But first of all, how do you hear about the greatest gift? How do you hear about Jesus? Well, each year I hear the same outcry to a greater or lesser extent. Why is it that everybody isn't saying Merry Christmas? Why isn't it that, you know, the shops aren't proclaiming Jesus as Lord and Savior? All these kind of things people say, and then I have to remember and I remind people and remind myself, whose job is it to do that? Is it the secular world with its aim of earning money? Or is it our job as the church, you and me, to share the ultimate gift and the meaning for this time of the year? We are not to abdicate our responsibility to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the shops, to media, even though those things can be used. We are to proclaim and take seriously the commission we've been given to share what we have received so that others might receive for themselves as well. Now, throughout Advent into the Christmas season, our theme was lighting the way. And lighting the way, not to the latest and greatest gift in the store, not to the sale that is invariably going to start today, where you can buy the things for half the price you bought them two weeks ago, but lighting the way back to God, to the Father, to the greatest gift, to a real relationship with God that was paid for by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And my hope is there are people here in this room People watching online today and people who listen back to this message for some reason in 2035 and they've received that gift. That lighting the way has truly enabled them to see the Father and to receive the greatest gift. And all of this, I believe, sets the background for our reading today. Yeah, we're diving back into the Old Testament just because we went through it in a, in a year and a bit doesn't mean we've left it behind. We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 12, this short chapter, but I really think it tells us what to do with the gift once we've received it. Because if you've received the gift of Jesus Christ, are you living as if you've received the gift? Or is it a bit like that one Christmas present that you didn't really like that you've put back in the box and snuck in the cupboard and you only bring out when Auntie Ethel comes around because she gave it to you and it's purely ugly? By the way, I hope nobody actually has an Auntie Ethel. <laughs> but the thing of it is, anybody who gives us a gift, and truly God who gives us the greatest gifts, wants us to enjoy it, doesn't want it put away in a box and gather dust, but to enjoy the gift. If you think of the, uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which I, obviously all of us uh, reform nerds at the front of the room think about all the time. Um, what's the first question? The first question is, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. If you don't know the answer to that, come see us afterwards. Um, <laughs> but one of the main ways that we're directed to enjoy God is to worship him, to give him praise, to acknowledge the place he has in our lives and in the world today. And through the words of Isaiah that God gave him to proclaim, we see a pattern for worship of God and also the purpose for it. Because that is the only possible and correct response to receiving the gift of Jesus Christ. Now, when Isaiah is writing and, and proclaiming God's people are not in a great state. They're facing and they are still yet to face more 
uh, at the hands of the Assyrians, and they would, they would see this at the time as God's judgment on them. And nevertheless, here is Isaiah saying, there is a hope for the future. Despite what you're going through right now, this will help you get through it, and there is hope for a bright future. That's a message that I think we especially need today as the church and as individuals, that throughout the difficulty that we've experienced, not just in the last couple of years, but in our lives in general, there is hope that helps us to live now, and there is hope for the future. Really and truly, that's what we try to show in the readings that are chosen while we light the Advent uh, wreath and the candles. Who's, who loves the way we did the candles this year? Yeah. Okay, so we lit them this morning because, right, it's still Christmas and it's not Advent, but Christ is still alive and alight. But we read many words from Isaiah's prophecy uh, Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And Isaiah 9, 2, 6, and 7, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of darkness, on them has light shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government should be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And I make no apology for rereading scriptures we've read just in the last few days because don't leave them behind at Christmas. They're wonderful throughout the year. The prophet has told us that the Christ would be born of a virgin. He would be called Emmanuel, God with us. He's explained that he will not only be a mighty king, but he will be a light to those who are walking in darkness in the shadow of death. He has spoken powerfully of the reign of the Messiah as king over all of the world. And then, in this brief chapter 12, just six verses, he talks of how we are to praise him and how, as those who have surrendered to him, we are to give him the glory, the honor, and the praise, and, yes, to benefit from his reign in our lives. Truly, in many ways, Isaiah received a gift. And he shared it with others. Of course, for us, we look back upon these events post the cross, post the resurrection. We understand them perhaps in a different way than the people would have at the time. But in the same sense, we receive joy and we receive hope. For the everlasting gift of God is... Anybody? Anybody know? Sunday school answer? Jesus. Not just once. You receive him once, but he's the gift that keeps on giving. And we can still celebrate him today. Okay, let's jump into the text. And my gift to you is that this is not too long a sermon. Okay. You will say in that day, not if you feel like it, not because you must or because you're expected to, but in genuine recognition of what the Lord has done, is doing Hannah's promised to do. In fact, if 
here's an exercise for later. Reread this passage and notice how many times the word will is there, okay? There's a reason for that. But I couldn't help but think back when I read that verse of the words of Joshua in 24, Joshua 24, 14 and 15. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Is this our response today to the greatest gift we've ever received? That despite what the world, what our family and our friends tell us, that we will serve the Lord. Most of us are bombarded every single day, whether it be online, in newspapers, in conversations, with things that do not uphold the name of Jesus Christ. And often it is best not to engage in conflict and confrontation, perhaps in public forum. But there are opportunities there to witness to the gift of Jesus in ways that maybe they're helpful, even if they are just a little confronting for us and for the other person. How can we practically do this? I know I've been challenged over the years to engage with my friends that I grew up with who are not of the faith, who have not come to that realization. And the best way that I've found over the years is to practice active and reflective listening and pray that the other person extends the same to me. And I would offer that to you as well. Maybe you can think of similar opportunities, and this is an opportune moment to be able to share the gift with somebody you've been wanting to for a while. Pray that God will open that opportunity for you. The verse continues by telling us that our response is to be in an attitude of thanks, and this can be translated also praise. I will give thanks to you, or I will give praise to you, O Lord, despite the circumstances, despite the troubles. This is something that I've been continually reminded of, particularly in this last year that I've been serving as a hospice chaplain. The overriding emotion, not in every case, but in, I would say, 80 to 90% of cases, the attitude that has come from the person who is dying and their families has been one of thankfulness. It might be thankfulness for the care they've received from hospice or their family. For those of faith, it's been just thankfulness for their lives that they've experienced, whether they be, you know, 20 years or, or 100 years. And that is really impactful coming from people for whom the end of their life is far more of a reality than it is for you and I. How often do we think of our own passing compared to somebody who's been given a terminal diagnosis? Would we be as thankful? Yes, there is a mixture of why now and why me and natural questions. But again, this overriding praise and thanksgiving, praise for those who know and have a faith, thanksgiving for others, and that's really struck me as something we need to take into our own lives as well. Now, the rest of this verse continues for the, and gives us the reason that we can praise, the reason why we can get through all of these experiences and praise the Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Unlike those material gifts that you've been given, 
which I dare say a percentage of them won't be around by this time next year, the gift of Christ lasts forever. No one and nothing can save and comfort us other than Jesus Christ. For the Israelites of the time, this was more of a promise for the future, perhaps, but in that day, and looking towards it, they could endure their situation that they were currently in. As one scholar puts it, Isaiah looks forward to a time when the judgment will have passed, even though he accepts that this is not yet true. What a great example of faith in God, in the truest sense of the word, something that surely is a result of receiving the gift of Christ. As the writer to the Hebrews would put it in Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Christ turned away the anger of God. As a response, we are able to live differently. As Paul puts it in Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, and these are just great verses, and it, just take a moment to read through them with you. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's how we're to live our lives. If that's foreign to you, come and talk to me. Because some days it's foreign to me too. It's difficult and it's hard sometimes. But that's the assurance. That's the hope. That's the way that we can live because of what God has done, because of the greatest gift. And when we've received it, that's what's next. Verse 2. And trust me, we get through the rest of the verses quicker. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Is, is, Isaiah again reminds Israel that God is the source of salvation and no one else and nothing else. He's the only one that can cancel the debt and make the relationship right again. The one who was offended is the one who gives the forgiveness. Do you remember a few years ago, everything was about that, that phrase. It was on mugs, t-shirts, and everything pretty much. Keep calm and carry on. Very British thing. Or at least, at least I'll claim that it came from there. I don't know where it really came from. Stiff upper lip and all that. Well, what struck me as I read this passage over again was there's a better slogan, I think. I don't know if it's going to catch on. Maybe it's on next year's church swag. I don't know. Do not be afraid and trust the Lord. Do not be afraid and trust the Lord. Especially at this time of year, 
as we give thanks for the gift of Christ, we can be confident and not afraid. Rehearsing again the character of God. If God is for us, who can be against us, as Paul famously says in Romans 8.31? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And I encourage you to read the whole of Romans 8. I haven't got time this morning, but uh, it will really encourage you, I believe. So we can trust that the Lord, the Lord himself is our strength, is our defense, and that's the great assurance of the gift of God that we depend upon him first and foremost before all others, even those closest to us. And I, I believe that a major part of our worship needs to be the rehearsing of the character of God. Why are we worshiping him? Because he alone is worthy of our praise. You may have those that you look up to in your life, rightly so. A godly parent, a, a mentor, a friend, whoever it might be, don't put them above your worship of God. This is what made the difference to Isaiah. He has become my salvation. John puts it another way. The Word became flesh. John 1, 14 and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the reality of our lives. This is what the gift of Christ means. And for those of you who don't know, can and will mean. Verse 3, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Anybody else suddenly get an image of a woman and a well and Jesus and yeah, I couldn't help but see that connection, and you think about that. At first, the woman, when Jesus offers, asks for water and then offers water, she kind of takes it all physically. She takes it all, well, you know, I haven't got a bucket, and you haven't got a bucket, and how are we going to get this water? But there's more going on than that. Just like Isaiah said, you will draw, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Jesus said to everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This then is the gift that Isaiah was pointing to and which Jesus proclaims and fulfills. And as I say, the woman misunderstands, and I think often we do as well. As one commentator puts it, though, the inexhaustible wells of God's salvation can always be drawn upon. For this, the whole congregation is called to sing and shout for joy. Which is indeed what we are to do next <laughs> when we've received the gift. If the first half of the chapter, therefore, reminds us that we are to uh, be renewed in our proclamation and praise of God as our one and only Savior. The second half speaks of our need to be renewed in our proclamation of His glorious name and deeds. Our response must be more than mere thanks, although I was taught you always write a thank you card within about three days, and there's at least 10 of you in the room that probably have one this year, and that was my mother's legacy to me. But we must also pour out to God our hearts in worship, in devotion, in action, in word, as those who receive the gift of salvation from those wells that never run 
dry. So be assured, if you have received salvation, it will never leave you. If you've yet to take up the offer, it's not something that's going to fade away. The prophet tells us in verse 4, and you will say in that day, will, will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. God's name and deeds must be proclaimed. They must be and will be exalted. So perhaps it's as simple as this time of year, writing messages in a card. Take the opportunity to pick a card that conveys the true meaning of the season. I'm not saying you can't say happy holidays. I think it's awesome. But also remember, it's Christmas. We're called to not only tell of what God has done in the world, but importantly to tell the world what he has done in, the, in our own lives as witnesses to the power and glory of the one true God. I've been asked... Uh, Lots of questions, as all of you have, but as a pastor, I've been asked very often, how do I, how do I tell my testimony? How, how do I share my faith with somebody? And there's lots of different ways of doing that, but one way that I think is common to all of them is simply tell your story, because it's your story, right? Which ultimately is his story, but how has God interacted in your life? You don't, you don't have to tell somebody else's story. Oh, this happened to such and such person, or that happened to... That's great, but you know what? What was the most impactful thing that Paul told anybody? His story. Three times Luke records Paul's uh, conversion experience, right? Does, Paul doesn't tell somebody else's conversion story. He tells his own. Tell your own story. That will be the most compelling testimony ever, and tell it in your own words, Language that you understand and the person you're talking to will understand as well. Also see here we see the importance of the name of God. The name of God is not a swear word. And like many people think it is and use it as. We are to lift up the name of Jesus, not to allow it to be torn down. And then the chapter ends. The chapter ends with instructions to sing and to shout. I didn't, I didn't warn the sound guys about that, sorry. <laughs> but you do so in such a way that others may come to sing and shout as well. Verses 5 and the beginning of 6. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let his name be known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. You must remember the whole of the service is, the service is worship. The songs, the prayers, the message, the fellowship itself. But there is a special place for singing and, yes, shouting. That means it can get loud. I know that's a difficulty for some people. There is the option to turn your hearing aid off. I don't think we'll get too loud today. We're stripped down today. But in general, it's about what is said. Whatever volume it's at, whatever style it is, it's about the content that's why I'm pleased that I serve a church where the thought goes into which songs are sung. We don't just sing the most popular one. We don't just sing ones that people like. We sing ones that have meaning behind them. I read a story of a lady who was on many civic committees and was asked to select the carols for a community Christmas tree lighting. 
and she sought the help of a local preacher. And when she scanned the list that he had selected, she exclaimed in dismay, but they're all so theological. And they are, aren't they? That's the beauty of the great carols of our faith. For those of you who were at the hymn sing uh, just a week ago, you'll know that we sang about 12 of them, and we had the whole story of God. But that's why, as I say, we, we take seriously the words that we sing, that we say, that we pray together. And that's why picking the hymns and the carols and the songs takes time. And you can sing Christmas carols throughout the year. And just so you know, as Pastor Dustin tells us, Joy to the World is not actually a Christmas song. So sing it in July, please. <laughs> also, you remember that Paul tells us to sing together in uh, Colossians 3, 15 to 17. You remember that famous passage that talks about that. Let there be peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Another experience that I've had over the years in ministry is singing songs with those who have lost their memory, that can't remember maybe who you are, who a family member is, but if you say the Lord's Prayer, or you sing a carol or a hymn, nine times out of ten, you will get a response, whether that be verbal or not. But I have had people literally start singing along with me and get in front of me even, when apparently they've got no memory at all. There's something in that, for sure. Well, finally, we're told we are not alone in this. For we're not, to, not only do we worship in the presence of other believers and the world to which we are to witness, but also that God himself is among us. At the end of verse 6, For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. God's promise to be with his people, to be in our midst, where two or more are gathered, He is there. And that's the greatest news. But don't let that just be intellectual knowledge. Let that seep down into your heart and into your experience. So gift received, what is next? Worship and witness to God, what He has done, is doing, and has promised to do. Sing and shout for joy, of God's name, deeds, and presence with His people. And my prayer for all of us, that we would know God's abiding presence, not only this Christmas, but in the years to come, as we live out the reality of verse 3, you will draw, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. If this is a gift you are yet to receive, then please do so without delay. It's free to you. You don't have to wait for the sale. Maybe the sales pitch. <laughs> the price has been paid with the highest price of all by God, who loves you more than you can imagine. If you've received it, it is time to get it out of the box and share the news of its reception with others that they may receive the gift and ask the question, what is next? To his name be the glory, the honor, and the praise now 
and forever. Let us pray. Father, as we see the snow falling outside, we are thankful for your creation. We thank you for the safety that we experience and receive. But help us to also take risk. Risk to share you with others that they may know your love, receive the gift, and ask, what is next? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.